encourage you to remain standing for just a few minutes. As we read God's Word together, we've been progressing through Paul's letter to the Philippians and uh, just riding this train of encouragement and joy and confidence. Not confidence in ourselves or our own circumstances, but confidence in God's power. His grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to pick up at verse 18, chapter 1, and read through verse 26. You should see it printed there for you. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. This is God's word through the Apostle Paul. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are so grateful for your word, that which we need for all of life, to live life, for godliness. We thank you, Lord, that you have transcribed your character to us in this way, that we might know you and love you more. And so we ask your help now, as we come to this word, that you would teach us, that you would form us into the likeness of our Savior that we too can say with the Apostle Paul, to live is Christ and to die is only gain. Oh, we need your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever thought that you were really going to die? And I don't mean the, the, those embarrassing moments. You know, when you're in that tube behind the boat and you're going to show off a little bit and try to flip the thing and you're dragging in the water and you end up in the water and you're here and your swimsuit is over there and the boat is coming around to pick you up, you think, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Not like that. But I mean really thinking you could be taking your last breath in this moment an experience like that, a childhood friend came to visit us in Colorado, and we were going to take him up Mount Evans, which uh, is a 14,000-foot mountain just, just outside of Denver, and um, you can drive all the way to the top of Mount Evans. I, th- I think it's one of, if not the, highest roads in North America uh, that you can take up there. So we loaded up the van, and we, we headed up Mount Evans, and we're about halfway up this mountain driving. And I'm pushing harder and harder on the gas pedal, and the van is slowing to a stop. Now, just a couple of weeks before then, we had the transmission rebuilt uh, in the minivan, so I knew exactly what was happening. And uh, so here we are, and, and 
You have to understand this road, there, there's just enough room for two vehicles to squeak past each other. You have rock wall on one side, and the other side is thousands of feet of nothing. Uh, there's no barrier. So I think, well, what am I going to do about this? And so I decided, at the time, <laughs> to, uh, to, I'm going to star turn, because every once in a while the transmission would catch. And so I'm going to star turn this thing around and try to drive back down the hill. And, and so I'm, I'm slowly, so I have my friend get out of the van, and he is standing, so here's the edge, he is standing on the edge of the mountain, saying, come, come this way, just a little bit. And here I am now perpendicular, there's, there's this much room between the stone in the back, and then it's, there's a cliff. And I thought, if this transmission catches, it's going to hit him, and away he goes. And the, the momentum is going forward, so the rest of us are going to go too. Uh, it was terrifying. I thought this could very well be our last moments. Um, so in that moment, I, 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 have, I have regret and I have resolve all at the same time. Um, you know, those moments when you think, that this could be the end. Um, it really has us think about our life. What has our life been? And then thinking about, what is this death going to look like? Um, and here we have the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's imprisoned. He's facing a Roman tribunal that will very likely sentence him to death. And so he's thinking about it. Sort of sharing his thoughts out loud with the church. He's rejoicing in his present circumstances. Not the fact that he's in chains, but that these chains... Through these chains, the gospel is continuing to advance. And now he rejoices in what is in store, what could be in store for him. Um, contemplating the future here, and he just carries us along with this expectation and this hope. If he lives, it's for Jesus. If he dies, it's just more of Jesus. So he's wrestling with that. And as, as I read, as I reread these verses uh, this last week, um, it brought me to a point where I realized that I do not often wrestle the way Paul does here. Um, you know, the, the goodness of living for Christ and, and the best of dying for Christ. I really don't believe that to die is, is gain. Um, I'm just not as confident as I would like to be. Uh, in my absolute security. And I, I want to be. I want to have this joy that Paul has. I, I want to just soar on the, the security of my salvation, but I'm, I'm pulled down. I'm weighed down by my own sin, by those idols that keep popping to the surface. They just cut the legs out from joy. Um, so I don't believe deeply that to be with Christ is far better you know, I think, kind of, what, what's wrong with me? Why, why don't I, why can't I respond like this? Um, that's probably the best place to start is with me. I may not believe this. I may not find comfort in this because the pressures of success or preoccupation with security or control or safety has deflated my longing for heaven. Maybe you're there. Maybe you share that. So Paul's deepest desire, his longing, is that God 
would be glorified in his living and in his dying. Um, he uses a common way to, to compare these things. Not one bad and the other good, but one good and the other better, uh, as he shares uh, these words. To live is Christ and to die is gain, by life and by death. Now, for those of you who are diligent uh, sermon note takers, that's only two main headings for three weeks in a row. So Daryl's starting to twitch over here, saying, what's going on? Um, what does Paul hope for? What does he expect with death uh, potentially very near at hand? And so these two main headings, by life and by death, they actually share a common subpoint, and that is courage. Paul desires courage in life and in death. He prays that he will not be ashamed. Just for him to be in jail and facing this Roman court would have already been shaming in this culture. If he's convicted, however falsely that may be, then he would be openly shamed. But Paul's not concerned about this. He doesn't, he doesn't really care what, what the others will think. It's what God thinks that matters. So whatever happens with this tribunal, he's confident of his standing before the Lord. The Roman court, the human court may say, condemn but the eternal tribunal of God says, delivered. So he hopes for courage to stand, to speak faithfully um, for the honor of Christ. It's central for Paul. This is his life. He's faced beatings, stoning, jail time, shipwreck, slander, but this is his pride and joy. This is his boast in Jesus. He hopes that Christ will be honored in his body. The word is megaluno. And you know what that means just by hearing it. Megaluno, that Jesus would be big, that he'd be magnified and praised through whatever happens in Paul's life. So it's this courage that he prays for, to speak boldly and to continue in his labors. It shouldn't surprise us now in chapter 1, but it should still convict us that Paul does not pray First and foremost, for his safety, a relief from these circumstances. Um, he still wants to serve the church. He's confident that he will. Uh, I think it would be easy to, to think at this point that because Paul is, is likely facing death, that he's in a hard spot already, that well, maybe in verses 20 and 21, he's, he's just looking on the bright side. You know, here it comes, so I might as well, um, you know, might, might as well take it as it is. But that's not the case. There's a real tension here. He's not resolved to death, even though he would welcome it. He's convinced of his eternal deliverance. But he's also convinced that he could just as easily be delivered and, and go back to Philippi uh, and minister there again. Um, he's pretty confident that they'll be united again, that this church will have even greater reason to boast in Christ uh, because of his return. Uh, and reflecting on this, John Calvin he makes some summary uh, statements in uh, his Institutes of the Christian Religion. He says this, For this life is a post at which the Lord has placed us, and we must stay at it until the Lord calls us away. Paul plans to return, to stay at it, to continue his ministry. But if he doesn't, that's no loss. For this continued life or life after death, it is all for Jesus. Here's Calvin again. The believer rests in the will of God. He acknowledges that he or she is bound to glorify the name of God, either by life or by death. 
but that it belongs to the Lord to determine what is most expedient for his glory. Um, I wonder if we're in that place where our lives are in submission, so much in submission to God's purpose and to his care that in our labors this week we rejoice. Should we depart in this day or this week, we rejoice. We must be willing to submit ourselves, to submit our our interests and our desires to the will of God. To be whatever he desires us to be. To go wherever he desires us to go. To stay if he's calling us to stay. For his glory. For the exalting of Jesus. The Lord Jesus himself pours out his heart in John chapter 12. He says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And later in his high priestly prayer for his disciples, for you and for me, he says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So central to the life and mission of Jesus is the Father's glory. It's true for Paul. It's true for us as well. I don't know about you, I could use some help in this. I ask, is there any help for this? Um, To live for Jesus, to welcome death in Jesus. I kind of lost that motivation probably before the hour is over. But Paul says there is help, and he depended on it himself. Back to verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So Paul is supported on the prayers of the saints. He's confident in the power of prayer. Are we that confident? Do we pray like prayer works? Like we actually have the ear of the God of the universe? In his letter to the church in Thessalonica, Paul says, Rejoice always, he's consistent in his writing, Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. I think if we really believed this, we'd be on our knees a lot more. Praying for the church, for our families, for our leaders. You cannot stand against Satan. I cannot stand against Satan. But Satan trembles when he sees the army behind us of those who are praying. We must be a people of prayer. If we're to honor Christ in our living and in our dying, Also reminded that the Holy Spirit is a constant companion. We are never alone in our living and our dying. The source of Paul's courage is the love of Christ. In fact, we just just read this verse. I just heard this verse. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul Paul has not gotten over this. He's overwhelmed by the love of Christ. And what can separate him from that love? What can separate any of us from that love? Nothing that we can dream of. We can just just soak in places like Romans chapter 8 or or Psalm 139 to be encouraged by the nearness and presence of God continually. He will supply what is needed to endure it's all for the glory of Christ, by, by living and in our dying. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, Sherwood 
Jacksonville, the greater Little Rock area, it's not the safest of places. Um, actually, being in this room right now is probably not the safest place you could be. Getting in your car to go to wherever it is you're going to go in another 30 minutes is definitely not safe. But yet we, we mitigate the risks a little bit, right? We've assumed some of those risks just to be here this morning, and you'll assume some more as you leave. And tomorrow morning when you go to work or go to school, you're going you're to assume some of those risks. But we're very good at mitigating the risks, particularly in our culture here in the West. I and mean, we've got airbags in the cars. We've got high fences around our, our yards, gates, alarm systems, insurance policies, loaded weapons not too far away. We're trained to protect, to insulate ourselves, to be safe. Now, protecting those that we love, uh, safety is a good thing. But like so many good things, it can become the thing. And we pursue it relentlessly. So I really don't think this is a stretch to say that safety is sort of the accepted idol in the church. Um, and it's... It gives us peace of mind, um, shields us, but safety is something that's very difficult to measure. If, if you're looking for the idols in your life, in order to do some idol smashing in your life, there's places you can look, like your, your bank account, your checkbook, you can look at the, uh, you know, the calorie counter, but it's very hard to measure safety and just how safe we are. We just don't know. But we do know what God has promised. Paul has not prayed for safety. God does not promise us physical safety or a, or a financial security net. But he does promise that he will sustain us, that he will provide. There's only one safe place. Paul knows this. He's banking on this. True safety in life and in death is in Jesus. It doesn't... He doesn't even pray. He doesn't have to pray for his safety. He's got all he needs. He prays uh, for courage. Now, if you pray for safety for yourself and for others, that's okay. Um, but we should consider how often we're doing this, how, what, what priority it's taking in our own hearts. I have ten people in a circle, and I ask for a prayer request. Eight out of ten are going to ask for what? You know what it is. Safety or health, one of those two things. It's not wrong to desire relief, but the relief is not the focus. It's the glory of God. It's true for Christ, true for the apostle, true for us. I mean, could it be that we make such little progress in the faith where our, our faith just seems stagnant because we just don't risk anything? We live these insulated and safe Wives, Jesus said, go into all the world, not as an option. Go into all the world, not if it's safe enough. Go. Go across the ocean. Go across the state. Go across the community. Go across the block. Go across your street. Go across the hallway for the name of Christ. He also said, in this world you will have trouble. It will not always be safe, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So hear me, this is not foolishness. This is not reckless. 
It's confidence in the, the sufficiency of Christ who is our safety. And the same one who says go is the one who says I am with you to the very end of the age. Uh, Karen Watson, uh, she, uh, she left for the Middle East in 2003 and just about a year later she was killed along with uh, several other missionaries in Iraq. And she left a letter to her pastor only to be opened in the event that she died. And of course he opened it and this is what he read. She'd only be opening this letter in the event of my death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I wasn't called to a place, I was called to him. To obey was my objective, to suffer was expected. His glory, my reward. His glory, my reward. One of the most important things to remember right now is to preserve the work. I am writing this as if I am still working with my people group. Keep sending missionaries out. Keep raising up fine young pastors. In regards to any service, keep it small and simple. Yes, simple. Just preach the gospel. Be bold and preach the life-saving, life-changing forever eternal gospel. Give glory and honor to our Father. Here's the missionary heart. Care more than some think is wise. Risk more than some think is safe. Dream more than some think is practical. Expect more than some think is possible. I was called not to comfort or success, but to obedience. There is no joy outside of knowing Jesus. I love you and my church family in his care, not caring. You know, to write something like that, um, to believe that, you could only see death as gain. Death was gain for the Apostle Paul. Not to escape his troubles, but knowing that he would be with Jesus. You know, I realize talking about death is not popular. Um, preaching about it is not um, a big hit either most of the time. But we need to know and be assured that our departure in Christ is better. Calvin, again, he gives this insight. Once believers understand the misery of this mortal life, only then will they try diligently and with increasing cheerfulness to meditate on the future eternal life. So we get to read of Paul's increasing cheerfulness here on his own death. To die is gain. To depart is far better. How is death far better? The far better is Jesus. Jesus mattered more than anything else. Death meant just this glorious reunion with his Savior. I got to know uh, Betty uh, while we were spending some time in Iowa. And um, Betty lived just down the street from in Iowa. Everybody lived just down the street from us. But she, was, she stayed in her home till her, her late 80s. Uh, she's still with us now, though her, her body and mind are growing weary. But Betty had a very, very difficult and painful life. Married uh, early to Al. They had four children, three sons and a daughter. 
Uh, at 31 years old, Al and two of the, the sons were in a, a train vehicle accident. Al was killed. The two sons were in the hospital for a very long time. In the last 15 years now, Betty has had to say farewell to all three of her sons. They've all gone to the grave before her. But when I would see Betty, there wouldn't be, there'd be a smile right there. And her heart would just swell with gratitude for the Lord's provision, for the Lord's care for her. She'd say, I'm ready, Brad. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And she's had lots of time to think about it. Every experience in the world to contemplate going to her heavenly country. And so I'd sit with her and I'd think, Lord, why another day? Why? I mean, it's going to be a tough funeral, but she's ready. Um, She's ready to see Jesus. If you're going to say that, if you're going to be in that place where Betty is right now, where the Apostle Paul was, where so many who have gone before us, then Jesus must be at the center now. It must be all for Jesus now. If Christ is not our passion, if we're not intent on, on pursuing Him and knowing Him more, then we're going to shy away. We're going to recoil at the thought of death. But to depart is far better. This language, it gives us a picture of, of, of pulling up the tent stakes, breaking camp and moving on. Paul, Paul knew tents pretty well. My desire is to depart. It's almost as if he's saying, I'm ready to break camp and settle permanently. No more tent living for me. He longs for that permanent, immovable city whose maker is God himself. Far better. Preacher to the Hebrews, he shares this longing with similar language. Those who have gone before us. I'm going to read a little bit of Hebrews 11. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared for them a city. And down to verse 35. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. In the close of the chapter, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. But apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Far better is the priesthood of Jesus. Far better is the perfection and glory that awaits those who are in Christ. All the comfort, the hope that this gives us, it should give us as we wait patiently for the Lord. So Paul's courage, it comes from the sovereign deliverance of of God. He's seen the Lord Jesus honored in the past. He's confident, every confidence that this will Uh, continue in his living and in his dying. To live is Christ. How? Fruitful labor for the kingdom. To die is gain. How? Eternal solace in the presence of Jesus. I think of Jim Elliott. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Not just words for Jim and Ed and Nate, 
and Pete and Roger. You know the story of these men on, on that beach in Ecuador. Young men, gifted men, young families. And yet they shot into the air and their lives were threatened. Lord, give us courage that you would be honored in our living and in our dying. Far better to be with Christ. I have a hard time believing that. Um, pray for me. And I'll pray for you that you'd believe it too. Lord Jesus, we want more of you, Lord. You are so beautiful. Lord Jesus, you are far better than anything we could hope for, anything we could imagine. And we long, Lord, for the riches of heaven, riches that you have secured for us, a glorious dwelling that you're preparing for us. So, Lord, give us hearts of gratitude, increase our joy, and in living and dying, that you would be glorified. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.